This is Fragmented Reality, a digital bulletin podcast designed to bust the buzzwords that dominate enterprise technology. In this episode, Daniel Brigham shares a clutch of eggs, each containing an industry buzzword, with Green Flag's CTO Shaquille Butt and the company's chief product manager, Jeremy Bristow. So, Jez, if you wouldn't mind picking the first egg and cracking it open, please. No problem, I'll go with green. Going for green. Silos. Silos, then. So why, what do silos mean to you, and why do they kind of keep causing problems in IT? Do you want to go first? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I can do. Uh, Probably the more political side of it, uh, from my perspective. So when I think of silos um, based on current experience in in sort of Green Flag and, and Direct Line Group, I think for me it's... Um, it's really about the probably two things. Uh, one is the, the 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 lack of collaboration and cooperation, and the second would be the impact it has on the delivery. So um, I think you know it's it's not uncommon for a large organisation that has you know m- multiple sort of business units, departments, and functions. Um, you're trying to deliver a technology transformation that might not necessarily encompass the entire organization. And it's quite often then that you will come up against teams and departments that will um, not deliberately, but inadvertently be acting as a silo. And that can be quite challenging Mm. because then you end up in a situation where um, you're actually in fighting to try and get, you know, your goal, your objective delivered, Um, which can be tricky because then you've got the complexities of politics and I guess agendas at play Um, that can be hard I think the other side of of silos when I think of that word um, is uh, probably more from a personal experience on the green flag transformation that we're delivering is actually trying to get multiple scrum teams inside one program to actually collaborate effectively and this is not because people don't want to or they don't know how to it's just if you have a I guess a a collection of teams that each own their own platform as a self-contained product it can be very quick and very easy to get comfortable Mm. with just focusing on your own product and actually forgetting that we're part of a much bigger distributed system and sometimes there might be things that we're going to do which will you know, be at odds with what other teams are doing. And, and that's definitely been, I think, for me, a bit of a learning curve in our implementation of Scaled Agile um, that we didn't necessarily, um, I guess, foresee at the beginning. I think for, for, for me, so we've had to work harder during the pandemic to break down silos, um, I, particularly within our internal teams. Um, so the famous or infamous things people say are the chats at the water coolers and wandering over to someone's desk and all of that's gone now and so where the the informal communication that you would have between teams quick chats what do you think of this oh I'm doing this oh do you know about this and all of that's gone now everything's a formal meeting it has to be booked in it has to be scheduled so I, I think we've had to work really hard even harder during the pandemic to break down silos to make sure that 
teams are communicating effectively with each, each other. We've got we've had to find new ways to, to do that. That's interesting, and it's obviously such a dirty word now, silos, but yeah. is there any advantage to it? People just going off in their own teams and coming up with concepts themselves and so, then presenting it to other teams, or does it need that collaborative approach? So I, I think when you're at ideation stage, it, it's working in silos probably a good thing because there's no distraction um, and I'm a massive advocate of getting two, three, four, small team of people, here's the problem, um, they can go away and try and solve that problem. I think the challenge of working in silos is then when you move from ideation into, I guess, delivery um, of that. Um, if, if people don't understand um, how you're trying to solve the problem or you've not communicated that effectively, then you are trying to then go off in a silo a little bit and people, because they're not aware of what you're doing or how you've solved the problem, um, it, it goes against the collaborative model that we want to try and implement. Yeah, I agree. I think that the, my slightly uh, different perspective on it is that um, I think there is a uh, there's probably a nod to the notion of you know moderation. So I think you know t to your point, just having it uh, having a, a certain amount of siloed. I guess of a siloed attitude towards the work that you're doing at the right point in time is, is yeah. not is not unhealthy. Yeah. Um, I, I I think it there is also a case to be made around um, when it's applicable and when it's not, and actually what principles you can put in place um, to allow the teams to enjoy the benefits of being siloed, which is that actually you're not dependent on anybody. There's no, uh, you've got full autonomy and empowerment to just get on with it versus actually, no, there's a piece of work that you're doing that's now going to impact another team. So at this point, you need to now sort of communicate. So for me, I think it's, it, it's a little bit like a needle that sort of swings from left to right yeah. as to depending on the actual the scenario and the use case. Cool. Okay, I think, well, it's probably Shaq's turn to crack open the next egg then. Which colour are you going to go for? I'm going to go for blue. Okay. What have we got in the blue egg? Wrong word. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what right. have we got? Digital transformation. Now then, digital. Well, that's the that's the biggie, really, isn't it? So, I mean, people talk about digital transformation a lot. People also talk about digital disruption a lot. What's the sort of key differences between the two, and how do you apply digital transformation? So I've got a small confession here. This is becoming one of the, the phrases or statements that is starting to become offensive to me. <laughs> I can see you're riled up. Yeah, it's well. The, the, the problem is, is it, it's um, it, it's a little bit like agile. It's it's get, everybody's using it, and eventually it will lose its meaning because of that. And it's being applied to everything and anything. Yeah. I think um, what does digital actually mean, um, and what did that mean, you know, five years ago compared to what it means today. Um, who knows? And then the, the transformation, fine. We, know, we understand what that phrase means as, I guess, a statement of intent. But for me, um, I guess my perspective on digital transformation is more about um, the outcome that you get from it. So it's about actually, put, again, lots of cliches here, putting the customer first or mm. putting them at the center of what you're doing. And that customer could be an external, actual, genuine consumer customer, 
or it could be an internal user, depending on what the you know the platform is or whatever it is that you're transforming. It's about putting them first. Um, I think it's about um, experience and focusing on the experience rather than actually on the technology. Um, and I think it's about having capability. So sometimes you'll see digital transformation as a, a, as a, a means to an end. Yeah. But actually, really, it's not a, okay, we've taken a process that was offline and we've now put it online. We've completed a digital transformation. No, it's actually, we're fundamentally changing the way that we're going to be running whatever that is going forward. So is it actually a means to an end or is it a complete trans, a, 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 a complete paradigm shift of how you actually do that service or deliver that product? So is it, you're saying it's a cultural shift rather than... Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, if I take Green Flag as an example, so in my head, the digital transformation that we are delivering is actually to turn Green Flag from a rescue business into a technology business that mm. happens to do rescue. And that the reason for, I guess, for me, categorizing the transformation in that way in my head is because that helps me to remember that actually technology, uh, for us to become a technology business that happens to do rescue, it means whatever I build has to be capable of pivoting with the business whenever the business wants, at the pace that the business wants. Yeah. Um, so, 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 I think I... So I, I, I'm with you. Digital transformation. Everyone's doing it. It almost has become like a bit of a. Um, it's certainly a buzzword. Um, the the way I kind of think of it is, um, and this comes from I, I, I can't claim this is mine, um, but this comes from our our head of uh, UX in Green Flag, um, and he I think sums it up really well. Is if you imagine a Venn diagram of three circles, so in the top circle, you've got technology because um, clearly to deliver a digital transformation you've got to have the underlying technology platform and then the next circle you've got um, customer or user experience um, and then in the third circle you've got business and I don't think you get successful business transformation uh, unless you hit that sweet spot where all three circles overlap in the middle because how many times have you downloaded an app and you think, oh, this looks cool. Um, have a play with it, and then either delete it straight away because you think well, that's actually nowhere near as exciting as <laughs> I was led to believe, um, or you just never use it again. Um, and to me, so they've gone through a digital transformation, they've launched an app, but what they haven't probably thought about is the business aspects. So how am I monetizing this? But most importantly, I haven't thought about the user experience. There's no reason for me to come back as a customer. So they haven't got that sweet spot where all three circles overlap. Um, and to me, that's the, that's the really um, crucial bit. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and that, that for me, are, that, that signifies the different components or ingredients, if you will, that yeah. typically could make up a digital transformation. You yeah. know, you've got user experience, you've got business need, you've got customer experience, customer need, you've got technology, you've got culture and mindset, you know, you've got talent, process, all of these things you know, typically can sit under the umbrella of digital transformation. Yeah. So it's kicked off silos, which is slightly negative connotations for you guys, and now digital transformation has got slightly kind of 
uh, sort of shrug your shoulders about it now unless you get it absolutely right. So maybe the third one or third egg will be able to bring us something uh, something a bit more positive. Right. So we'll go <laughs> with colour are you gonna go something for? pink. Something pink. Oh, it's a long one. Um, Who have we got, Jess? What, Digital Evangelist? Now then, have either of you ever called yourselves Digital Evangelist? Well, well I would call the, my learning colleague to my left a Digital Evangelist. But, Shaq, would you call yourself well, a Digital Evangelist? Because <laughs> <laughs> if I ever did call myself that, I, Jez, I would probably throw me out the window. Uh, no, and also, is, do you, would you call him that positively as well? Yeah, or? so, so um, I guess in all, in all seriousness, so um, what... Shaq's really focused it on is using technology to deliver a business outcome um, and um, I when I think of the word evangelist um, I think of someone who does a lot of talking um, but very little doing <laughs> and um, delivers very little outcome but they are an SME and an expert in the subject in this case of, of digital yeah um, and where I guess we're really fortunate um, to have Shaq as our CTO is um, he can talk till the cows come home about technology and trust me we have spent many a long evening talking about technology and um, <laughs> those cows have very much come home well yeah yeah um, but uh, I guess what Shaq also does for us though is, is make sure that um, the technology choices we're making um, deliver a sound business outcome and a sound customer outcome. Um, so to, to, to me, evangelists have their place. Um, and if you want to educate um, people around what digital means and what digital could be and what the future could look like, perfect. In the terms of a digital transformation, you probably don't need too many digital evangelists. You just you need someone who knows what they're talking about. You need, but you need someone who can get it done as well. Is it is it not just like a Silicon Valley way of saying leadership, just being a digital leader? Uh, so it's an interesting one. I think so. Thank you for the kind comments. Uh, <laughs> welcome. I, I I think that it's the evangelist phrase that's throwing me because yes, there's, there's a connotation in my head around sort of what I think the definition of an evangelist is, and it's very much to what you've said. Someone who talks a lot but does very little. Yep. I think. I've met, um, I've met and watched a couple of evangelists that in very, very large global businesses. Now that's an interesting scenario where for me I think it, there is a value to having an evangelist where you've got an organisation that is so vast and so um, disparate or distributed that actually in helping to get the message out to drive change mm. or transformation, it's helpful to have champions who are evangelizing that message so I think in that scenario it makes sense to me yeah um, in an organization where you know and again drawing from personal experience looking at green flag you know we're quite a, a, a nicely compact organization business unit I would say oh, we're very lean yeah. and we're not necessarily at a, in a place where there's a lot of influencing that needs to be done first to win the hearts and minds before you get on with the journey actually for us it's no we know what we've got to do there's a clear goal clear target we've got a you know a very straight talking MD we've got a, a very straight talking leadership team that we are part of um, we know what the target is we know what the goal is we can see the size of the price can we get on please and, yeah. and, and let's get there and, and grab it so quite interesting I think the the, the slightly negative hmm. connotation I think 
from our perspective, the two of us, is coming from the fact that I think we are builders as opposed to talkers, if you were classifiers. Yeah. 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 So okay. So if I can ask you, Shaq, Green Flag's digital evangelist, to crack open the <laughs> fourth egg. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. Okay. Let's go for what color. Are we? Let's go for a yellow. yellow. We've not had yellow. Right. What have we got in our yellow egg? <laughs> oh my goodness um, Omnichannel Omnichannel now then so the aim of well from my point of view the aim of an Omnichannel is to make every relationship with the customers much more streamlined is that how you view it? Can we say this one to start with? Can I, say, can I just say there's a wry smile from Yeah so, um, so, so Omnichannel to me um, in its simplest form is being able to um interact with a customer in the channel they want to interact with you in in its absolute mm. simplest um, form um, but also that they could stop that interaction halfway through in one channel and then they want to pick up that interaction as though uh, it just carries on for the second half in a different channel yeah um, and to me that's the really hard bit um, you can have multiple different channels to interact with customer, whether it's through social, through web chat, through the phone, through app, through WhatsApp, however, um, all of the standard communication channels. But the, the, the really hard bit is, can you pick up a conversation with a customer where they left off in a different channel? Hmm. Um, and I think from my personal experience, there are very few um, organisations out there that have cracked that bit of, of omni-channel. Is that um, simply because the tools don't exist yet? It, it, I think it's one of those things where the, the, there's so many different um, ways now to interact with an organisation. Um, so through social media and even within social media there are mm. so many different types of social media um, I, I, I think it's hard sometimes for organisations to keep up with all of the different ways that all of the different demographics of customer want to interact with you with because the way that my mum would want to interact with an organisation versus um, my sister are two very, very different things. So is it the case that the technology has to catch up with the aspirations still then? Is the technology not quite there for it? No, I, I, I don't think it is. Um, I smiled at the beginning when I saw this phrase because th this one really does wind me up. I think my issue with this is it's, it's a, it feels like it's a buzzword that some sales or marketing person came up with that they could shove into a PowerPoint presentation to you know, bamboozle a customer when they're trying to sell them the next, you know, the next version of snake oil or you know, whatever it is. And it, it, why do I need to have a word that doesn't mean anything to explain something that, you know, Jess has very eloquently explained at the very beginning, which is that we want to be able to service our customers uh, in the way that they want to be serviced uh, at the point of time when they want to be serviced. You know, I want to, today, right now, I want to talk to you on the phone. Um, in two hours time, I might want to continue the conversation via a text message or via an email because I can't talk on the phone because I'm on the train home. And then, tomorrow morning I'd like to get a letter come through to confirm whatever it is that I've engaged with you on yeah. so that I've got that in writing that I can find a way. Now that to me is very simple and actually I think there's 
by creating a buzzword, we've created a level of complexity that then turns something into something else because the number of times I've heard, I've had sales or marketing people uh, use omnichannel at me for different, to mean different things. It's like, don't complicate it, please. We need to simplify. Mm. Um, and I think it, it, if we can land a rocket on the moon, how on earth can uh, us being able to track conversations with a customer over the phone via email and by post, for example, be outside the ability uh, for, for us to be able to, to achieve? That just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I think for me, this is about businesses prioritizing what's important and what's not important. Um, and I think it's about um, poor technology choices that don't actually work well together to create that omnichannel experience. Okay, let's uh, move on to the fifth and final one. So, Ooh. which colour, Jez? Good one. Pressure. Green's my favourite. <laughs> well, that's better than sighing. Isn't it? <laughs> Agile. Agile. Right, well, we talked about silos, so I guess this is kind of creating better collaboration between different teams, is it? Is that how you look at Agile? So, so I think... <laughs> Shaq's laughing yeah, again. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, so, so again, I, I think Agile's become a bit of a buzzword. Mm. Um, uh, and, but to, to me, the, the, the true meaning of Agile is... Um, empowered teams um, and by empowered uh, what I mean is um, so you've got a set of principles and, and you, you almost create some guardrails for those teams to say um, anywhere between these two lines you can operate hmm. um, if you start to get close to one of those two lines then we need to have a conversation um, but feel empowered that as long as you don't break those principles you can generally just crack on with it so that's been too agile then, going over those two barriers. Yeah, because I mean, we, we work in a financial services um, organisation. Um, Green Flag is part of um, Direct Line Group, um, and, and so agile is, is great um, because it it creates empowerment. Um, it gives teams autonomy to be able to get on and deliver. Um, the, the the fact that you are whenever you're doing something you're delivering in a matter of weeks because you're not trying to absolutely perfect something. Um, you want to create something that's good enough, get it live, learn from it, iterate and improve. Um, and as long as you're doing that in a matter of weeks, even if you fail, that, that, that's, not, that's not a bad thing mm. um, because you've only wasted a number of weeks. You, you've probably learned quite a lot in those number of weeks about ways of working. You've learnt about the outcomes. It's taught you something that um, if it hasn't worked, okay, well, we won't do that next time, but at least now we know and the next one's likely to be more successful as a result of it. Um, but again, in a, in a regulated industry, within a financial service organisation, you, you clearly need to make sure that you give people enough room to play, um, but you have those guardrails to make sure that, um, that if someone was to go and step, step outside of those guardrails, um, you've got the right um, governance and control in place to make sure that um, it's not going to be a disaster as a result of it. And um, to me, uh, to be agile um, means that you can react, means that you can pivot, means that you can change, means that you don't have to have everything set in stone and you can, um, as long as you know enough, get on with it uh, and then um, learn as you go. 
Um, so I think that the, the print, to me, the, the principles of, of, of Agile are fantastic and completely align with, with, with me as an individual. Yeah, and I think some really great insight from, uh, uh, you know, as chief product manager, I think it's really interesting and quite fascinating that your, your lens and your insight is very much aligned with your job role and what you're here to do, you know, the guardrails, um, making sure that prioritization is always focused on, so it's great. I think to build on what you've said, Jez, my, at a philosophical level, I'm probably, um, I'd probably align it a little bit, and this might sound a little bit naff, but I, I, my worry for Agile is um, probably best explained as an analogy, looking at sort of religion. Hmm. So from the experiences that I've had, um, you've got lots of different perspectives of Agile based on the individual role or the, um, I guess, your experience of Agile. So what you've just explained, everything is, of course, based on your role yeah. and your experience of it, which is you know, it's great. But I guess if someone is involved in an agile transformation that's perhaps not, not executed correctly um, or doesn't necessarily follow the principles correctly. So in other words, you know, the, your implementation of the scripture is, you know, is, is not correct or, or, or flawed. Um, I've seen implementations of agile where, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to people and they've said things and I've listened and thought, oh my gosh, I wouldn't be doing that. And that doesn't sound very agile, you know, and you hear these things and you don't say anything because it's, it's impolite, but you, you, you take on the, the understanding and the insight and you draw a conclusion. And I guess that, that's my big worry for agile is that I think if it's done correctly, it can be amazing. If it's not, then it can be worse than, uh, you know, a, a more traditionally run sort of waterfall type project. Mm. And what happens, you know, and then you've got everything in between. And of course, then anyone who's involved with any of these implementations will draw their conclusion about that. And they'll either assume that that's how it is, that's how it always is, or this is actual complete rubbish. And, it, and, and, and all of this then leads to a, a, quite a complex, I guess, a, a opinion in the end of, of what I think of Agile um, and whether I think it's right and, and how it works. You know, there's been times in, in Dark Line Group where I've had conversations with people who have said, Agile just doesn't work. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Or, you know, and we've got to use Agile for every project. And it's like, no, that's not right either. You know, it's not the answer to every question. And yes, of course, there will be certain types of scenarios where Agile's not applicable. But yeah, it's a complicated one. I think having, um, having been involved in bringing Agile into um, direct line group, you know, as part of the digital department, and then moving into Green Flag and implementing scaled agile for enterprise, our safe implementation. I think you, there's been a lot of experience and learning from this, and um, you know, we've had scenarios where we've talked to sort of very senior executives who've um, who recognise the value of it, but haven't necessarily had the time to invest to actually understand it and embrace it. And so for them, it's just a, yeah, 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 guys, I get it. This is just something that, you, you know, this is a way of doing it that you guys like to do fine. You know, sprint, schmidt, doesn't matter. Just go on and get it delivered. And it's like, okay, that's, that's fine. So it's, it's quite interesting. I'm, I'm a believer of Agile. Um, I think it is great if it's done correctly. Um, I think it can be transformational for organizations uh, and for individuals. You know, it does break down silos. 
Um, it does. It is very outcome focused. There is an element of predictable, reliable delivery that you get from it. But there's there are so many nuances and I guess uh, opportunities for it to to uh, bend out of shape. Mm. That then you know it, it it really does sort of it re it requires a lot of um, attention and tinkering with you you can't just you know kick off a, a number of meetings that you call stand ups and and sprint plannings and and retrospectives and say yeah it's done we're up and running it doesn't work like that and on that philosophical note there Shaq <laughs> and Jez thank you very much for your insights and thank you very much for coming on Fragmented Reality thank you very, thank you very much, much. Power up your day with the Bulletin Brief the latest news insights and opinion delivered straight to your inbox